Hello everyone, and welcome to Discussions in Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And this week, we are talking about awesome magic items for low-level parties that aren't a plus-one weapon or bag of holding. Britton, why don't you get us started with uh, the items that you are going to talk about? Yeah, so uh, I did want to preface my items uh, with... I was looking through Tasha's Cauldron of Everything specifically because I know you and I, when we were starting off Discussions and Dragons, we were doing a review of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything because it had just come out, I think, maybe like a month prior. Um, So we were doing a review of all of the new things that were added. And what we didn't cover was the magical items. Um, Looking through the magical items in the magical miscellany section of this book, a lot of them are class specific. Um, And what I mean by that is that it requires attunement by a sorcerer or a wizard or a bard, things like that. Um, There would be, I think, like drums. There was some shards that enhanced metamagic powers. I think there was a a cauldron for warlocks as well. Um, So I wanted to think about more general things. And the only thing that I noticed is a a common theme with these magical items uh, for low-level players that to find or to have access to which would be common or uncommon magical items was the notion of magical tattoos so in tasha's they talk about magical tattoos and how you may find them how you may acquire them um and have them done to your body so it is exactly what it sounds like Uh, some sort of tattoo artist will have magical ink or a magical rune or ritual that they would perform while they are putting this tattoo onto your body and different magical effects can happen. Um, So the first one that I wanted to talk about that I thought was really cool was the barrier tattoo. So this barrier tattoo ranges in rarity. It goes from uh, uncommon to rare to very rare. Now, essentially what this tattoo is, is a supplement for characters that are not able to wear armor. So when you're not wearing armor, the this tattoo, it grants you an armor class depending on that tattoo's rarity. So for uncommon, your AC becomes 12 plus your dex mod instead of the normal 10. So you're getting a plus two bonus to your AC. The rare is 15 plus your dex mod, maximum of plus two. So regardless of if you have a plus five in your dex, the uncommon and the rare are going to be 17. Um, And very rare is your AC is just 18, like you're wearing plate armor. So I think that's really cool for wizards and sorcerers who are not allowed to wear, well, you can, but it just hampers your spell casting. I think you're not even able to cast spells when you're wearing heavy armor. Um, but I think late game even, I think it'd be really cool to get a tattoo like that. But especially early game, if you find some sort of back alley where they're giving these magical tattoos away for probably ridiculously inflated prices, but to have 12 plus your dex mod as a sorcerer without having to cast a spell all the time is really, really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe there are... Um, is it elves that I'm thinking of that can't really wear metal armor um i know that druids specifically are it's it's part of their 
um, their druidic, I guess, life is that they do not wear metal. That's right. I was getting it confused. I remember I played a, uh, this is why I was getting it confused, because I played an elven druid. Um, but yeah, that's an also another a nice application of when you can use it, I believe. Um, don't monks also get some sort of ben- a benefit if they're not wearing armor? Yes, if monks are not wearing armor, their AC becomes uh, 10 plus their wisdom mod plus their dex mod. So monks may not benefit um, unless you are making maybe not such a dexterous monk or a wise monk. That may be a nice um, boost to their AC if that's something that you're worried about. Yeah, but just generally, like this is very useful. Uh... Yeah, no, for sure. I think that um I, I as as we explore two more of these tattoos i think that the just the notion of having something scribed onto your body where you don't have to worry about concentration you don't have to worry about casting a spell you don't have to like cast mage armor or anything like that so i think it's really really nice to have uh some sort of insurance so the next magical tattoo that i saw that i thought was really really interesting was the Eldritch Claw tattoo. Now, again, with all of these tattoos, they do require attunement, but anyone can attune to them. Um, To attune to it, you hold the needle to your skin where you want the tattoo to appear. You press the needle uh, there throughout the attunement process, which is an hour. Um, And when the attunement is complete, the needle turns into the ink that becomes the tattoo, and it disappears and reappears in like onto your skin. So... While this tattoo is on your skin, uh, your unarmed strikes are considered magical for the purpose of overcoming immunity and resistance to non-magical attacks, and you do gain a plus one bonus to attack and damage rolls with unarmed strikes. So this seems a little bit like, you know, finding a plus one weapon, but it's a, your body becomes a plus one weapon that you don't have to hold on to. Um, and there is, a, is a, a bonus action that you can, I guess, cast or activate um, once per dawn. Um, As a bonus action, you can empower the tattoo for one minute, and for that duration, each of your melee attacks with a weapon or unarmed strike can reach a target up to 15 feet away from you as inky tendrils launch towards the target. Um, And they do an extra 1d6 force damage per hit. Wow, that's really useful. I'm actually, like, that second part is, is incredibly useful, but even that first part, I'm surprised at how useful overcoming um non-magical resistance has 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 been uh, in our uh, sunday game so i think having this ability to make your make your fists magical is pretty sweet yeah and to think that you know most classes don't inherently get things that do that like i think monks get that and the Order of the Lycan Blood Hunter gets that, where you know monks their unarmed strikes just become magical. Um, but even if you got this tattoo as a monk, you're still getting plus one to your damage and attack rolls. They're magical, and as a bonus action, you can do an additional one d six per attack, and that's a force damage, which is the least resisted damage type. Yeah, that's, that's a really good tattoo effect. I like that a lot. And, you know, if you think about, I guess, uh, dice damage maximization efficacy, you know, we're making up words here. Uh, if you think about 
maxing out your damage, what is your, your damage potential as someone who has multiple attacks, um, you may want to just forego your sword and make these unarmed attacks so that you can get the magical attacks and the 1d6, you know, maybe turning your, your sword fighter into a pugilist. It's just going to yeah. be boxing all damn day. Put on your brass knuckles and say, let's go. Add extra insult to injury. Drop the sword and just go punch the bad guy in the face. Right. And, you know, I think other than monks, there, I think monks are the only class that is a, a book canon class that really supports unarmed fighting, which I think is a little interesting. You know, I, I would like to see a barbarian that has brass knuckles, a barbarian that doesn't just have an axe. There's so many pigeonholed barbarians that have axes or fighters that have long swords that take, you know, multiple attacks. I would love to just see somebody that's like, and what do you do? Oh uh, yeah, I punch things <laughs> and I punch them a lot. So I think, um, I think that this tattoo is really cool. There is no rarity bump, so you couldn't get a plus two tattoo or a plus three tattoo, which I think is nice because, you know, I, I think maybe at that point it would get a little ridiculous if you have a person punching with plus three. But then again, you know, your DM may allow that. Everything sure, is homebrew sure. at this point. We can change what we want. Um, but I think that as, as a base tattoo of being plus one, uh, to damage an attack, and you get your 1d6 inky tendril damage. I think that's really cool. Uh, being supported as an early game thing. Totally. Now, the last tattoo that I wanted to talk about uh, is the Masquerade tattoo. Um, I'm sure that with a name like Masquerade Tattoo, you can probably have an image conjured of what that might mean. As a bonus action, with once this tattoo is on your body and you're attuned to it, um, as a bonus action, you can shape the tattoo and change it into any color or pattern or design on any part of your skin. So if you want to, you know, make your arm blackened and maybe look like more vascular and sickly, or maybe you are trying to sneak into some sort of hideout, but this hideout only grants access to people with the symbol of Vecna on their forehead. And you can tattoo that onto your forehead and move it anywhere you please. Um, I think that's really cool. And as an action, uh, once per dawn, you can cast the disguise self on your disguise self spell on yourself um, the DC is really low. It is 13 to discern the disguise. There's no way for you to change that much like any, you know, wand or other magical item that can cast a spell. It has its own DC, but still, I mean, this may be a conversation for another time, but I do think that when a spell like that has its own DC and it's not in a combat setting, I think most NPCs would just kind of take what they see as face value. I don't, I don't know if I've ever noticed, um, a DM, you know, metagaming and say, oh, you cast a spell? Well, my NPC is going to try to beat that DC. They have no idea that, you know, your character is anything different than what they are. Sure, sure. Let me just back up a second. You said that you can move the tattoo on your body? Yeah, it says... Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. You can shape the tattoo into any color pattern and move it to any area of your skin. It can range in size from no smaller than a copper piece uh, to an intricate work of art that covers all of your skin. That's really fascinating because there's certainly like a, a lot of instances where you could, um, if, if this is how it works, you could, 
reshape this tattoo to look like some secret society's you know symbol you pull up your sleeve and there's this there's the symbol that lets you in uh the thieves guild or something like that when it's actually it's just your magic tattoo yeah um or you know say that um your character is trying to uh pose as someone else and you're not necessarily using the disguise self spell you know maybe one member of your party says oh yeah you're looking for our guy he's got a scar across his face and you just make the tattoo look like a scar across your face you know you can yeah. change it you can make it cover your entire body or you can make it the size of a copper coin so i think that this uh tattoo is it much like the spell prestidigitation it has many uses and it is only as useful as the breadth of your imagination now, question, how often can you change this shape? As a bonus action. So, can you theoretically, over and over again, change it and have an animated GIF as your tattoo? As a DM, I would rule that, yes, you can. <laughs> 100%. Right, the, the best effect in the game, we found it. Yes, I... Yes, I would just have words running across my forehead... Instead of um, me speaking, it would just be words running across my forehead as to what I want to say. Like a scrolling marquee. Yes, exactly. Um, Dow Jones is down uh, four <laughs> points today. Ale is up six points. You just have scrolling across your, your forehead, make a constitution save, and then characters are like, or NPCs are like, what's a constitution save? I don't know what that means. Yeah, and come to find out they're poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yes, this... It's it's semi-ridiculous effects that can actually be pretty powerful. And I think that's that's the essence of lower-level magical items, in my opinion, is that it's stuff that seems to be looked over uh, in its kind of brief introduction of what the spell can do, but there are so many uses for it. Definitely. They don't have to be obviously overpowered and broken and super strong and how many hit, hit points can I deal of damage and, and whatnot. It just, uh, it's up to you, the player, to be creative with some of these things and use them in interesting ways. I think, okay, now, now, now I'm thinking about this. This may be stupid because it can cover your entire skin. Could you, in effect, have your character take off all of their clothes and stand next to a brick wall and camouflage themselves into the brick wall. Be a chameleon. Could you be a chameleon? You are now a human chameleon. Is that something that you could do? According <laughs> to the rules, if it can cover your whole body and it's a bonus action, I don't see why not. And it could be any color or pattern. Yeah. All right. We found it. We found the most broken, uncommon, Here magical thing in the game. Maybe we should All move right. on to some things that are not as good. <laughs> right. Please, please enlighten it's me with your not as downhill good from here. So, <laughs> I'm going to talk about uh, three items that I really enjoy that are not plus one weapons or bags of holding or uh, magical tattoos. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first of those is an item called the Periapt of Wound Closure. This is an uncommon item that you can find in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, it's something that requires attunement, and what it does, um, at the start of your turn, if you are dying, in other words, if you're at zero hit points, um, you stabilize. And we'll, I'll give a review about that in a second. In addition, um, whenever you use uh, hit die to restore hit points, you regain double that amount. Um, so very useful. What this does, uh, what 
stabilizing means is if you're at zero hit points, you don't have to make death saves. Ordinarily, when it's your turn and you're at zero hit points, you make death saves. And if you fail three of them, your character is straight up dead. Um, with this item, at the start of your turn, if you're in that condition, you stabilize. That means you don't have to make those death saves. You're still unconscious at zero hit points, um, which means while unconscious, uh, attacks against you have advantage. Any attack that hits you is a critical hit. And critical hits are automatically two failed death saves. So still, it's not the best situation. But I think what I like about this is if you do drop to zero hit points and you have this, it at least gives your party members possibly an extra turn or two to make it to you and uh, get you back to uh, being at one or more hit points, either with some sort of magic or um, a healing potion of sorts. Uh, so what's great, and this is an always on effect, which means if you uh, drop below zero hit points, you come back to your turn, you stabilize, um, you don't have to make death saves, and someone can't get to you right away, and in the meantime, you get attacked, you take damage, you take automatically two failed death saves. Start of your next turn, well, that's still an effect that's ongoing because of the perioptive wound closure. Your wounds suture up magically, you're back to stable again. Um, ordinarily, if you are stable and take damage, that condition's done, you're not stable anymore. But with this, you just go right back at the start of your turn, don't have to make death saves, you just give your allies a little bit more time to get to you if, for whatever reason, they're not close enough to um, bring it back up to being alive. Now, when we were discussing the strength of, you know, these magical tattoos earlier, um, we were talking about its versatility and, you know, how it's, there's a million and one uses. Sometimes a magical item needs one use. And I think that this is a very strong one use item. And not, you know, once as in once per day. I think once as in it is a one type of use. Uh, other than the, the magical effect that is attached to it um, that, that we know about, you know, the hit points. But I think being able to have at least some sort of insurance about not dying or not being the party member that everyone needs to rush to immediately. I think that can, um, I, I don't know, lead, lead your party to heave a little bit of a sigh of relief. Um, unless uh, your, your DMs and PCs that you're fighting or the, the enemies are particularly cruel and are consistently attacking what appears to be dead, you know, I, I don't think that you'd really have a problem with worrying about somebody failing their death saves, which I think is really, really nice. Because, um, you know, players, you, you, you kill a thing, you don't keep attacking it, you move on to the next thing. So I think that this would be something that could offer a little bit more of insurance and uh, relief to a player to know that, all right, you're not going to die outright. You at least have a chance to survive. And that's really nice for lower level characters that you want to make, maybe lower level people that might not know the game or, you know, got downed way quicker than they thought they were going to. This offers a nice sort of relief. Yeah, it definitely is a really good item for people that might have you know, a lower AC, lower hit points, um, or even those folks that are getting mixed up in the middle of the battle, uh, where if you drop right in the middle and all your healers are in the back lines because they're 
you know, you're playing some clerics or something like that, um, it's going to take them at least a turn to get to you, uh, or at least to get within range, or they need to position themselves so that they can actually see you. In the meantime, you're still right in the middle of combat, downed unconscious in the battlefield, and your allies are trying to hurl in spells in order to uh, take out the rest of the enemies. Um, and you just get hit by some peripheral damage. You know, someone tosses in a fireball or something, and you're going to take a... Uh, you know, you're going to take some of that damage and automatically fail a death save. Like I said, it just might give you an additional turn. It might give you that turn that you need. Um, so you're not having to take death saves yourself. Right, exactly. So uh, overall, very useful item. I really like it. Um, not much to say about that. I chose items that I guess were a little bit less about the creativity and more about the, the immediate utility. Um, so I might have a little bit less to say about mine. But that said... Let's continue on. The next item on my list, um, and I was actually surprised that this is an uncommon item because of how good it is, um, and that is an item called the Broom of Flying, or if you want, a Flying Broom. Now, this is an item in the Dungeon Master's Guide. It does not require attunement, as it is just an item that you can hop on. Um, it's an ordinary mundane broom that you can activate with a command word, and once that command word is spoken, the broom, broom gains a flying speed of 50 feet, can carry up to 400 pounds. Um, that flying speed is reduced to only 30 feet maximum if it's carrying more than 200 pounds, however. Um, so it has a couple different ranges. Um, and then the last thing you get to do with this is you can use that command word to make it fly up to a mile away to some place you're familiar with and then speak the command word to make it fly back again. So a little bit of a um, you know, personal messenger if you, if you want to do that or uh, maybe it's um, your own personal Uber or Lyft. You know, send the broom to go pick up your buddy and bring him back. Um, but I, I just think for an uncommon item, flying is an incredibly uh, useful thing to have. I think fly the fly spell itself is a third level spell. And uh, even like classes like Druid, where they can, you know, transform themselves into flying creatures eventually. That doesn't happen until a little bit later, at least third level, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this is a really strong item. Uh, flying in general... Man, there's so many things that you can do with flying. You could hop on it yourself and use it to scout ahead and see what's on the horizons. Um, you could use this to transport your allies across a chasm that is, you know, pretty big and that ordinarily you couldn't just hop over or there's really no way to teleport yourself to the other side. Um, you could use it as, you know, an emergency getaway. You've got, you know, you're surrounded on the ground by a bunch of things and it's just you, and there's no way you're going to survive that fight, and you hop on your broom, and they can't fly, and you can. Uh, just so many really good uses for this. Then I'm actually surprised, like I said, that this is an uncommon item. Um, now, it seems a little bit unlikely to just find one of these randomly in someone's closet, but, you know, it's an uncommon item. Maybe you happen upon a magic shop in a big city like Waterdeep and um, get a good deal on one. I mean, yeah. Like you said, flying is so strong um it's a i i feel like sometimes flying is a is a get out of jail free card where if you have you know a dire situation or you have a chasm or you have things that normally you'd need some sort of magical assistance the flying is just so like it, it is nice to rely on the only drawback is that it does only hold 400 pounds so it's not like you and your entire well i guess depending on how the size of your party and if you're all halflings and gnomes you could probably all take a hand on the broom and have it lift everyone but like you know a, a normal a normal sized 
party like a number normal number of people four to five people all playing varying races you probably can't carry everybody so that may be a drawback that you know it's not a magic carpet so you can't have that however you know this flying broom it's still at least you you and maybe another person um it does have a size you probably can't carry a full party but it does have a size it's not very big so maybe you can squeeze two smaller creatures you know in, in a tight sort of a manner on, onto this thing um you're not gonna or fit you got your... you're you're not gonna fit a goliath and a bunch of other friends on there though it's probably not gonna carry that unless the goliath is playing a druid and they wild shape into a squirrel and they have the sure. squirrel in the pocket and yeah and then you're a flying squirrel and then you're a flying squirrel yes um but yeah i, th- I think the i'm i'm actually really shocked you saying that it is an uncommon item i didn't even think that it was you know an uncommon item that's very surprising to me yeah, totally. And then we forgot the most important part of this, which I think is of the utmost. We have to mention it. If you're taking your uh, your turn on the watch at the campsite, you got to keep that thing tidy. It's still a broom after all. It is still a broom, yes. Lest we forget that brooms are not just meant for flying, but keeping things tidy. We do have a sense of propriety here in Dungeons & Dragons. Yep. You cast Power Word Sweep. And clean up the campsite. Isn't that just prestidigitation? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is manual prestidigitation. Exactly. There we go. This is um, no. We have prestidigitation at home. Yes. This is. It's called um, a broom. You want your allowance? Did you do your prestidigitation? Exactly. Exactly. Well, moving on to my final item. This is one of my favorites, actually. Uh, this is an item out of the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. It's called the Amulet of the Drunkard. Um, now, in the campaign setting Wildmount, I think there's a lot of items in there that are world-specific um, because they tie to the lore of Wildmount. And I won't go into that because we might have some people in here that listen to Critical Role, and I'm not going to spoil any of that stuff. Um, however, this is not one of those that I think is tied to the lore. I think you could take this and put it into pretty much any setting. Um, in fact, in our Sunday game, I'm pretty sure one of our players has an Amulet of the Drunker. They might have just forgot about it. But it's an uncommon item, doesn't need attunement. And what it does is when you drink a pint of uh, beer, ale, mead, wine, something like that, um, you regain 4d4 plus 4 hit points. You can do this effect once per day. Um, Now, I think the exciting use about this it is not for when you and your party is, you know, in downtime and you're just bumming around town, uh, going to the local inn, you, you drink some ale because that's what you do when you're in town and you regain some hit points. Because during downtime, it's just way too easy to regain hit points. You could rest for an hour, take a short rest and use a hit die to, to get some hit points back. You could just say that the party just takes a long rest in town and you're getting hit points. That's not the application that's interesting to me. Um, it's taking a, uh, a flask into combat with you, filling it up before you go into combat. Uh, flasks, ordinarily in d will carry about a pint of liquid. So you fill that up before you go into combat. Uh, then as a bonus action or action, depending on what ruling your DM is, is going with, um, you, you drink out of this flask and you restore some hit points. And you get the effect, 44 plus 4 is nothing to uh, debunk at. It is the effect of a greater healing potion or, for example, like a fourth level healing word. That's really good um, for something that's an uncommon low level item. Um, so that's the one that I'm, that's the application that I'm more excited about. Yeah, that's, that is so 
strong uh, for the level of item that you would be receiving. So you saying that this is the effect of a greater healing potion. A greater healing potion is generally, I think, um, it's like 200 gold, right? Something like that? 200 to 250 gold? Yeah, they're not cheap. And a, a pint of ale is what? Um, a copper piece? Maybe two? Yeah, so you find one of these, load up your flask, uh, hopefully, you know, whatever tavern you find yourself allows that. Um, you know, maybe they have a, a, a strict no-to-go orders policy. I don't know. <laughs> um, right. But I, I'm sure it's not that hard to fill up a, a flask with some ale. Um, and you bring it into combat, and you've got yourself a really cheap and consistent block of healing. Yeah, a, a greater healing potion. Uh, downside, you know, is that it is only for you. However, you know, that's that's one one healing potion for a party member that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't require attunement. You could, uh, theoretically, if you had a party member that was down that you wanted to just, you know, open their mouth and pop some uh, some hard liquor into and heal them up, you could just throw this uh, amulet over their, around their neck and then make them chug some... Um, <laughs> make him chug some, chug some vodka or something. <laughs> Bring yeah, him back just, to life. It seems very, um, very frat house. You just throw the amulet on and you'd be like, chug, 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 chug. Exactly. You know, they're boot and rally and then they're right back in the fight. Oh, yeah. Did I, did I use that term correctly? I don't know. I was never in a frat. I don't boot and rally. I think that's, the, I think that's all right. That's right? what the kids say? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what the old college kids say. So yeah, one of my one of my favorites from um, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Um, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure somebody in our Sunday game has one of these, and I think they just forgot about it. But really strong, really useful. Um, yeah, I don't, it's it's not an item that you're going to get really creative with, like some of the tattoo applications. But it's nice to have consistent healing and and, and be able to take that with you into combat, um, especially because like most adventurers are going to have a flask on them. Um, it's not like flasks are hard to come by or, uh, you know, a really weird item that no one's going to carry. They're pretty common. Um, at the very least, it's really easy to obtain a flask and fill it up with some ale. Right. And, you know, I think you and I touched on two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, we've got the tattoos that have multiple different uses that can, you know, one is about AC, one is about buffing your damage, one is about the 1,001 ways you can become a chameleon. Uh, but the ones that you had brought up, um, especially the one from, you know, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, they're more about consistent effects that are very, very useful. You know, sometimes you don't need to be the jack of all trades. Maybe you're the, the CEO of one trade and you do yeah. that really, really well. Exactly. Exactly. So if you are uh, running the game, next time you've, you've got a, a session coming up, maybe consider some of these uh, other types of magic uh, items for your, your low-level party that aren't the plus-one weapons or bags of holding. Um, and if you're a player in a game, maybe next time you're in town, ask and see if there's something like this um, instead of you know trying to, trying to get those the you know the plus one weapons bags of holding ask ask for some of these other interesting low level things um so ask for your cd tattoo artist ask for is there any brooms that float around here 
Yeah, do you got something that I can drink booze and be uh, be healed by? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. So I think that's going to uh, do it for our, our talk on uh, magic items. Um, I want to thank you guys all for stopping by this week. And if you liked this episode, please be sure to check out our future episodes, which we release every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Next week, we're going to be starting a new beginner-friendly series, giving an overview of each class and kind of what they're about. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>